Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 179, Wise People Think Before They Act. How did you do on your kindness campaign this last week? For those of you who weren't on last week's podcast episode, hopefully everybody was, but for those of you who weren't on there, I issued a challenge a challenge that for seven days to look for opportunities and to take opportunities to invade other people's lives with an act of kindness. As my week began, I found myself looking for opportunities. And even as the second part of the week where I was tired and a whole lot going on, I noticed that I was going out of my way just to smile at people, just to try to lift their day. I don't want this kindness campaign to end after seven days. I want to see it continue, hopefully in your life, but definitely in my life, because that's the one that I have the most influence over. I want to continue the kindness campaign. Why I bring that up this week, it's twofold. Number one, I wanted to follow up with you. I would love for you to send to me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. I would love for you to send to me your kindness reports. Let me know how things went, whose life was changed beyond your own, as well as in our Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus Facebook group. Post in there. Let us know how others responded to your acts of kindness and what you might do differently in the weeks to come. Number two, it really ties in with this week's lesson. We've been working our way through 2 Samuel for quite some time now. And last week, the story was about King David and how that he was sitting around one day and was just thinking about Jonathan, more than likely, his friend who had been killed in battle, who was the son of King Saul. And David just looks out and says, is there anyone still alive from the family of Saul to whom I can be kind in honor of Jonathan? And by God's divine plan, one of Jonathan's sons named Mephibosheth was still alive. And so David called for him to come to the kingdom. And I'm sure Mephibosheth was probably shaking when he came to the kingdom thinking that David was just going to get rid of him and end the line of Saul. But instead of that being how David invaded Mephibosheth's life, he invaded his life with kindness. He not only pretty much adopted him as a son and asked him to be at the royal table at any chance he got, but he also gave him the territory that Saul had had. Like he truly did a kindness campaign. And Mephibosheth and Ziba, who was one of Saul's servants, they were two of the people who received bountifully from David's kindness campaign. This week, David is looking for opportunities to do kind gestures again. But this week's kind gesture is not received in a healthy manner. So we're only going to go over four verses in our 2 Samuel series, but we are going to tie in some verses in other places in the Bible, and especially in Joshua 22. 
So here we go. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hanan became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. And so let's stop there before we even finish the second part of two. Nobody's exactly sure what Hanan's father had done for David. It's at least thought that a possibility was when David was running around for 10 years, running from the stalker named King Saul, that it's possible that Nahash did some good things for him during that time. It would make sense. But either way, no matter what loyalty that Nahash had shown to David, David is looking for an opportunity to show loyalty. And so Nahash is no longer there. He has died. And so David wants to reach out to this young man named Hanan, whose father has just died, and express his sympathy. It says, so David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, comma. And so that's where it ended right before we get to verse 3. If you and I were writing this story, not from a historical perspective, but just from our wise minds, we might think that after that comment says where when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, Hanan was so pleased to see the messengers from David that he wept and he thanked God for them and he sent them back with treasures from his land. That is not what verse 3 says. Not even close. Because Hanan does not do what we have listed in our title of today's podcast. He was not acting as a wise person, thinking before he acted. Instead, here we go, verse 3, one of our focal verses, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. Say what? In your kindness campaign of this last week, or in any of the kindnesses that you have done for another, you did not get that kind of response. Now, that doesn't mean that when you do a kind deed, that you might not get a response that you were not anticipating. I had somebody on my mind just an hour or so ago, and I remember doing a kind deed for this one person, and... I really thought I was putting out the olive branch. And they turned around and the present that I had picked for them, they handed back to me because they didn't want anything from me. And now, 35 years later or thereabouts at least, as I say those words, they still sting. After all this time, I remember where I was standing. And they didn't shave off half of my beard, which, of course, I do not have a beard. Shave off half of my beard, cut off my robe at the buttocks. They definitely did not do that. But I did feel as though I had been shamed because there were others around and it happened in front of them. When you 
enact a kindness campaign or just do a kind deed, you are not guaranteed that someone else is going to receive it well. You're not. But you're not doing it specifically to solicit a certain response or elicit a certain response. You are doing it because it's the right thing to do. God's word says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." What went wrong with David's gesture of sympathy and kindness to Hanan? Well, David's ambassadors did nothing wrong. David did nothing wrong. Where the wrong comes in is twofold. The advice given by the commanders of the Ammonite army and Hanan's response to their advice. Remember in verse 3 it says the Ammonite Commanders said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and corrupt or and conquer it. Is that true? Not even in the slightest. David was doing this gesture of kindness out of the goodness of his heart. But these commanders were suspicious. And that was what their take on the situation was. And when they presented it to Hanan, instead of Hanan doing what I'm going to suggest that we do when it comes to working through decisions, he listened to their advice. He allowed it to change his perspective. And he acted. And he acted foolishly. It would have been very easy for me to have taken on all of 2 Samuel 10 in today's podcast because the rest of the verses in this chapter are all the people's lives who were negatively affected because the Ammonite commanders were suspicious of David, said the wrong thing, and Hanan immediately did an action that he could not take back. He abused David's ambassadors, which in turn was shaming David's kingdom and sent them home that way. The rest of the chapter goes into all of the dominoes that fell as a result of Hanan's wrong knee-jerk reaction. So I wanted to spend this week just on that, just on the faulty advice and Hanan's impulsive act that cost him and many, many, many people dearly. What's the last time you made a rash decision? It may have been because you got advice from people who you trusted, but it was the wrong advice. Or it may have been that you didn't get advice from anyone. You looked at a situation, you jumped before you ever thought, and you paid the price and might still be paying the price for your actions. As I sit here this very moment, I have a little extra passion than I would have had two hours ago. 
Because within those two hours, I was reminded of how actions can have consequences and how choices can be made that set in motion life circumstances, set in motion situations in the lives of others. And we cannot rewind the clock and erase that initial behavior that started the avalanche. My heart hurts. My heart hurts for those who are within the sound of my voice who are hurting this very moment because of the impulsive actions of another. But may we take these life lessons and may we use them to draw a line in the sand in our own lives and say from this moment on, that's not going to be me. I am going to be wise. I am going to step back before I make rash decisions because I do not want to harm myself. If you are a Christian, I don't want to harm my witness. I do not want to harm others. I do not want to be a stumbling block for others. I do not want to see their hearts be broken because of the wrong choices that I make in the heat of the moment, in the midst of a conflict. Oh, this one time, it won't hurt me. And it literally changes your life and the lives of so many forever. As we look at some more verses in scripture, let's look at Proverbs 13, 14 through 16. It says, The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Who do you know that could be the poster child for that part of that set of scripture? Lord willing, it is not you. But if it is, may today be the day that you make the choice not to make rash decisions, not to be foolish but to choose to be wise, to hang with those who are wise, to learn from them and to make wise choices. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Can I hear an amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 33, most everybody has heard this verse, even if they're not a Christian, because part of the verse has been used over and over again because it's truth. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Or, I think in the King James, it said good morals. Back in the day, we all know it's true. Bad company corrupts good character. How We all know it. We've all probably been there. 
where either you've been the one corrupted or the one who corrupts. Making wise choices. But we can't always be around wise people. Sometimes we're in situations, whether it be at work, whether it be in a school environment, wherever it is, where people aren't making the wisest of choices. And we've got to have a discerning spirit to be able to know what is wisdom and what is definitely not. Hanan did not have that. Hanan was not a follower of the God of Israel. Like, that's just a fact of life. We know that. But he still had earthly common sense that he could have used, but he didn't use it. He heard what they said. They planted those thoughts of suspicion. Reminds me of King Saul. Like, David had been on the run for all those years because King Saul had in his mind that David was out to get his kingdom. So David has lived with the consequences that he didn't do anything for for over 10 years. And now here are more consequences that are coming around the corner that are not of his making. He did the right thing. He went on a kindness campaign. He sent ambassadors to express his sympathy and it was totally taken out of context. I want you to think about three steps to wise decisions. Now, I know that there are many more, but let's just think about three just at the top here. Number one, think logically. And sometimes we've got to step out of a situation before we can truly think logically about what just happened. If you're in the heat of emotions, you probably cannot make the wisest of decisions because your brain is clouded. Your heart is possibly on fire and you are not thinking clearly. You've got to step out and take a moment to think logically. Number two, research thoroughly. If Hanan had stepped out of the situation and said, let me just think about this here. Has David ever shown contempt toward my father. No, he hasn't. Has David ever shown any efforts to come and take over this territory? No, he hasn't. Maybe, part two being researched thoroughly, maybe I should talk to these ambassadors and see if I can find out a little bit more about what David's motivation might have been. And if I don't get the answers that I feel like I need to out of them, maybe I should send my own ambassadors to talk to David, David being mega powerful king at this time. Maybe I should send my ambassadors over there and just have a talk with David. Just find out what he meant by this gesture. And then three, the one that Amon's King would not have been able to do because he wasn't a follower of God, but pray fervently. For us as Christians, that should have been the number one. But because we were talking about Hanan specifically, I put it at the bottom, but it should be our go-to. We should pray fervently, think logically, research thoroughly. But like it just makes sense. Using that noggin that God gave to you for something more than a hat rack. So I want to go back. Does everybody know that I love the book of Joshua? Have you kind of gotten that idea by any chance? Speaking of that, in the show notes at the bottom, you have the section called the hidden episodes. And the majority of them, if not all of them, I'm not exactly sure how many of them are hidden, but 
it's on the book of Joshua. Yes, I love the book of Joshua. Today, though, we're looking at Joshua 22, which is covered in one of those podcasts. I have no idea which one. I did not go back and look. Y'all could look. Let me know. But Joshua 22, it's the Israelites have gone into the promised land and God has done just what he said. And he's given them the the area and the peoples. He's just taken care of things whenever they have followed him and done what he he told them to do, he has gone before them and he has provided the victory. There were two and a half tribes that before they walked into the promised land, that was Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. Those tribes had chosen not to go into the promised land. They wanted land outside of the promised land, but they promised Moses that they would go in, they would help their brothers and sisters to fight for all that God had promised, and then they'd go home. So we are at the going home time. So I'm going to read through a lot of this very quickly, but it sets up this scenario that was very much like what happened with Hunan. I'm going to go back because I have the hardest time with his name. Let me make sure I said it right because I wasn't like, Hanan. Yeah, I didn't think Hunan was it. He seems like a Hunan to me, but Hanan. So let's go through this. But this is a time where Joshua and the Israelites did exactly what we just talked about. They thought logically. They researched thoroughly because they asked questions. And they prayed because they... They knew that they needed to know if this was truly the affront that they thought was happening. Shortest version of the overview before I read is, as those tribes were headed out, they build an altar and the Israelites think that Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have turned their backs on the living God and they're ready to pounce and take them out. But before they do that, before they do what Hanan and his bunch did, they step back and they ask questions and they find out what the truth is. And as a result, they give us a model for how to deal with situations. You can't just jump in and hope that you're right because it can cost your life and the lives of others. Joshua 22, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, told them, you've done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. You have obeyed every order I've given you. During all this time, you've not deserted the other tribes. You have been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God, uh, of the Lord your God, right up to the present day. And now the Lord your God has given the other tribes rest as he promised them. So go back home to the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the Jordan River. But be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Obey his commands. Hold firmly to him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went home. And we'll skip ahead to verse 9. So the men of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, because the women and children were on the other side, 
of the Jordan. They had been left behind and the men were the ones that came in to fight. So the men of Reuben Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh left the rest of Israel at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. They started the journey back to their own land of Gilead, the territory that belonged to them according to the Lord's command through Moses. Here's where we get into trouble. But while they were still in Canaan and when they came to a place called Gililoth, Near the Jordan River, the men of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh stopped to build a large and imposing altar. Uh, red flag, concerning here. The rest of the Israel, rest of Israel heard that the people of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at Gililoth at the edge of the land of Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. So the whole community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and prepared to go to war against them. Uh-oh. First, however, first, like the word first, it is so important in verse 13. First, however, they sent a delegation led by Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to talk with the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In this delegation were ten leaders of Israel, one from each of the ten tribes, and each the head of his family within the clans of Israel. When they arrived in the land of Gilead, they said to the tribes of Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, the whole community of the Lord demands to know why you are betraying the God of Israel. How can you turn away from the Lord and build an altar for yourselves in rebellion against him? Was our sin at Peor not enough? Like the Israelites had really messed up there. And they are thinking, oh my goodness, these two and a half tribes are doing this. I can't believe they're going to bring God's condemnation down on us all. Back to the scripture. To this day, we are not fully cleansed of it, even after the plague that struck the entire community of the Lord. And yet today you are turning away from following the Lord. If you rebel against the Lord today, he will be angry with us all, uh, with all of us tomorrow. If you need the altar because the land you possess is defiled, then join us in the Lord's land where the tabernacle of the Lord is situated and share our land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar other than the one true altar of the Lord our God. Didn't divine anger fall on the entire community of Israel when Achan, a member of the clan of Zerah, sinned by stealing the things set apart for the Lord? He was not the only one who died because of his sin. Then the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered the heads of the clans of Israel. The Lord, the mighty one is God. The Lord, the mighty one is God. He knows the truth. And may Israel know it too. We have not built the altar in treacherous rebellion against the Lord. If we have done so, do not spare our lives this day. If we have built an altar for ourselves to turn away from the Lord or to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings, may the Lord himself punish us. The truth is we have built this altar because we fear that in the future your descendants will say to ours, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has placed the Jordan River as a barrier between our people and you people of Reuben and Gad. You have no claim to the Lord. So your descendants may prevent our descendants from worshiping the Lord. So we decided to build the altar, not for burnt offerings or sacrifices, but as a memorial. It will remind our descendants and your descendants that we too have the right to worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. Then your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no claim to the Lord. If they say this, our descendants can reply, look at this copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It is not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. It is a reminder of the relationship both of us have with the Lord. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord or turn away from him by building our own altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, or sacrifices. 
Only the altar of the Lord our God that stands in front of the tabernacle may be used for that purpose. When Phinehas, the priests and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of Israel, heard this from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were satisfied. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, replied to them, Today we know the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord as we thought. Instead, you've rescued Israel from being destroyed by the hand of the Lord. And they left those tribes alone. They were satisfied and they praised God and spoke no more of war against Reuben and Gad. What would have happened if Hanan had taken the position of the Israelites back in the day? What if he had just stopped? He had thought logically researched thoroughly by sending either either talking to these ambassadors and really finding out if David really sent them for the purpose that they were saying or sent his own contingency to find out and if he had had a relationship with God prayed for wisdom it would have changed all of history not only Hanan's history but the Israelite history But we're going to see next week that there are consequences to rash decisions. And the thing is, the consequences of our decisions usually do not end with us. Next week, we're going to see that Hanan, because he made a rash decision, because he listened to the wrong people, many are going to die. Thankfully, you and I, the majority of the decisions we make, even if we make a rash decision, tens of thousands are not going to die. Aren't you grateful for that? Thank you, Lord. But if one dies, or if one person walks away from the Lord, or if one person doesn't come to the Lord because of our actions, that is more than should ever happen. We have got to be wise and we've got to think before we act. We've got to step back. We need to think logically, research thoroughly, and pray fervently. What decisions do you have on your plate at the moment? Have you thought logically, researched thoroughly, and prayed fervently? We talked a few weeks about about the importance of having godly counsel, having people around you to bounce ideas off of. And that is very, very important. But just because you've got many advisors does not mean you're going to make the right decisions because it's going to be a while, probably, I don't know, six months. And we're going to get to Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son. And he was the first king of the divided kingdom, the Judah part of the divided kingdom of Israel. And we're going to see that Rehoboam does the same thing as Hanan. He listens to a set of advisors the wrong set of advisors, and he makes a stupid decision as a result. Just because you have advisors and people around you having opinions does not mean that they're wise. You need to step back. You need to think logically. You need to research thoroughly. You need to pray fervently. And trust the Lord will give you the advice, the guidance, the open doors that you need. 
Our weekly assignment feature, determine a prompt you can institute to help you to remember to pray fervently before you act. I don't know what it's going to be for you. I'm trying to think through myself. Like, what could I, what could I institute? Like, is there a phrase that I could put into my mind so that when I feel my blood pressure go up, I see a situation that causes me to want to jump, that it will cause, maybe, maybe jump back for me. Maybe that would be it for me. Maybe when I want to just jump in, I need to jump back. And that would cause me to reset. I love technology. I just do. And one of the things that I love about technology is that reset button. <laughs> Those times where things just don't seem to be moving right. Like a few minutes ago, I couldn't save. Well, I couldn't download. I used a certain program to do graphics and I had the graphics up there and I hit download and I hit download and I hit download and I hit like they never were downloading. It was the craziest of things. I've never seen it happen that way. I just restarted and it's amazing. All of a sudden everything is working properly. Maybe I need to have my own version of reset and maybe I need to jump back. What's going to be your prompt? What's going to work for you? It may be something that you put just a little sign on your computer at work that reminds you that when you are ready to just go whoop and pounce without thinking logically, researching thoroughly, and praying fervently, that you will jump back. Maybe you can join me in the jump back club. I don't know. What's going to work for you? What could you put that's going to remind you to take a step back and really use wisdom before you march out and hurt yourself and others? Joshua 22, the Israelites during that time period did a lot right because they were following the Lord and they were listening to his voice. But they could have easily, their knee-jerk reaction was to take out Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh because they thought that they were doing the wrong thing. But they went to the trouble of thinking logically, researching thoroughly, and then they all prayed fervently together when it was all said and done. May we do that now. May you make wise decisions so that instead of being a stumbling block to others, you will be a stepping stone to Jesus Christ, to how to live the Christian life and to live it with abundant faith, abundant joy, and abundant peace. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, as I come to you today, I lift up each person within the sound of my voice. I have no idea what struggles they may be dealing with, and I have no idea where they are tempted to do the Hanan and take faulty advice and make a mess where there was no mess. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us to be wise, that you would help us to use that 
noggin that you gave us that we would think logically, that we would research thoroughly, that we would ask questions and find out what's really going on. But more than anything, we would pray fervently. We would pray for wisdom. We would pray for others involved. We would pray for ourselves that we would make wise decisions. Dear God, may we continue the kindness campaign. And I know that not everyone is going to respond with joy when they see the kindnesses that we give. But dear God, we're not doing it to get their response. We're doing it to honor you. We're doing it to be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Please, dear God, open our eyes. Continue to give us opportunities to stand for you, to be kind for you, to love on others for you. We have no idea what people are thinking in their minds and when they might be making choices that will change their life, possibly in their life, and change the lives of others forever. Please, dear God, may we be those instruments of kindness. May we also be wise. May we give wise advice because we get our advice from you, the author of wisdom. I thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make wise decisions. Step back. Jump back. Don't make rash decisions. Think it through. Get godly advice. Listen to the Lord. And if you can't hear his voice, go to somebody who you know hears from him and have them cover you in prayer. Be willing to do what he says. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a link in the show notes that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you click on that, it will take you to a site that's going to walk you through. You can also email me, encouraging others and loving Jesus at gmail.com. You can reach out on Facebook. Let's see what else we've got down here. And we always, at the bottom of the podcast, I have chosen to do this for the last couple of years. I have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I have no idea where you stand. I don't know who's listening to this podcast. But if you are listening to voices that are saying, end your life, it's better for everybody else. Please get help. Please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Please reach out to people who you know are healthy that can help you. Do not, do not, do not make a rash decision that's going to change your life and the lives of others, possibly for eternity. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.